we'll be 50, 50 partners in this and I'll do this for you. And he was, and because we've had that trust relationship, we never burned a bridge. We never spit on his grave. We never did any of those things. He was like, 100%, let's do it today. And so he's picking up a new client this week, probably April, April one, whatever, wherever that falls in the week. I have no idea. I think this week, and we will be the ones to learn how to do that, those warranty, um, submissions for him and all of that came from we had a good relationship tumultuous relationship good relationship tumultuous relationship and it was just one of those things where we always stayed true to who we were at our core we're here to help our dealer partners and i mean i'm telling you i can't tell you unless you've bootstrapped a business you have no idea how big a hundred thousand dollars is when you're covering payroll for 60, 70 employees, you have no idea how much $100,000 is when someone's in arrears to you that much and you're having to cover it. You're having to figure out how to cover it because that money should be in your cash flow flowing in and, and you're getting it $10,000, $12,000 at a time when you've already paid the payroll on that $100,000. So you're listening to the Focus on Customer Experience podcast. podcast. Benjamin Del Grosso gives you the ins and outs of one of the most underlooked aspects in business today. Improve your customer service and watch your business skyrocket. Two, one. Now, here's your host, Benjamin Del Grosso. Hello and welcome to the show. Today we have Robin Wilson here. She is founder and director and CEO at Epic BDC and the SCP Agency. So Robin, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited. Honestly, I am. Oh yeah, we, we had a great off-camera conversation and we need to continue that energy going forward here. So why don't you give a little bit of rundown of how you created uh, SCP agency. Sure. Um, and I've told this story enough that I can actually tell a lot quicker than I told it to you. So I, I can do the, <laughs> elevator, I can do the elevator pitch. So 2012, um, after the mortgage meltdown and the economy crashed, um, we, I decided to shop small local for Christmas that year. And I discovered it was the most painful Christmas of my life because none of the businesses in my area had any online presence for me to do any research ahead of time to find out like what they had, what they had to offer. I literally had to walk up and down Main Street or any street in, in our town, open a door, walk in and go, wonder what's inside here. And um, it literally was super frustrating. Um, and so I decided after... Christmas 2012, that I had to do something to help these small business owners have an online presence. And the them not being able to afford websites, not knowing how to run social media, any of those things right there, I got together with a group of my friends at the time, and we decided to create a company where we would post to their social media, create their social media, and post for them um, to keep their top of mind awareness and to build their um their brand imaging. One of the things in 2013 that a lot of people don't know or don't remember is that let's say that you had a business page, you were smart enough to not be using your profile and you were, had a business page. If you had a thousand followers and you made a post, you had a reach of a thousand people. Like it was just that organic. It was not pay to play yet. And so we could have a great impact by just being consistent. We're pulling into their newsfeed on a regular basis. So we started with um, a local small business owner that had a boutique. Um, and um, we grew from there to a shoe store, to a dentist office, to a commercial carpet cleaner, to an insurance agent. There were so many businesses that needed some sort of online presence that didn't. And so we started creating um, and posting and managing their social media for them in 2013. 
um, we were losing money like crazy because we didn't know what to price it at. We didn't know what the market would bear, how much of a budget they had, and then what the scope of work would be because we were learning as we went along. Nobody had really done this before us in our area anyways. There were social media managers for big companies like Nabisco or Coca-Cola or any of those big corporations had a social media team. But in 2013, small business owners didn't. Um, then we then we transitioned um, in about 2014 to the automotive side of things. We had a dealership call and ask us to um, look at their social media and consider doing uh, social media for them. I sent them a proposal. Um, at that point, um, he called me back and said, um, that's great, but I want you to work here. To which we argued back and forth. I'm like, I don't want to work there. I have a business. I don't, I don't want to do this. And he was like, yeah, you don't know anything about automotive, but you may know everything about social, but you don't know anything about automotive. I think he actually said, you don't know shit about automotive. And I'm like, well, I didn't know anything about the insurance agent, the dentist office, the shoe store, the boutique, or any of the other companies that I worked for. And he's like, no, you have to work here. And I said, fine. You understand that if I work there, I'm going to be running my company from your dealership. And he's like, I don't care. I'm like, fantastic. That's the best of both worlds. So um, I learned automotive from the inside out. They made me a manager, gave me a seat at the table. And I got to learn. Um, I, I learned everything sitting around that table Mondays and Fridays that I could ever learn. And I, like I told you earlier, it was like the MBA. Uh, I got a master's in business and automotive um, sitting around that table in um 2017, I went to them and I told them, I said, look, I, I need help other dealerships and I can't do that sitting here six days a week. So I, I offered them 25% of my salary back so that I didn't have to sit there seven days a week. They agreed to it. I still did their social media for those seven days. It, I was actually transitioning it to my actual team, my employees that worked for me. They didn't know that part of it. Um, and then I went on the road just picking up other dealer clients. And quarter two of that year, I negotiated another, I gave them back, I didn't negotiate, I just gave them back another quarter of my salary. I got 14 days a month, I didn't have to sit there. We did this every quarter till we got to the end of the year, transitioned um, January 1 to a vendor relationship, January 1 of 2018. They are still my clients today. Um, we still serve them every time they buy a new dealership where their social media agency. And um, now on the um, SCP agency side, um, we serve, serve dealers from coast to coast, from organic to paid social to lead generation. Um, we're also their communication piece. If you go to social media and you're talking to a dealership and they're one of my dealerships, you're talking to my team that's sitting outside here right now. So that's how SCP agency started. Um, and it's it's our first child. It's our, it's our original love, the social media side of it. I still speak on social a lot, especially for dealerships. Um, it's such a non-trusted um, industry, right? Like everyone still has uh, icky feelings about going to buy a car. It causes them anxiety and stress, right? And so if we can let the public know via their social media, who they are, what they're about, who they serve. So you don't feel like you're walking in to the firing squad. You feel like you know, like, and trust them before you get there and you know what they're about and how they serve their clients ahead of time, then it's a warmer transaction from the minute they walk in the door. And that's what we try to do for our clients is uh, brand imaging, top of mind awareness, and having that know, like, and trust them before they get there. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a very important thing because uh, people get very 
you know, they don't feel comfortable going into a dealership. They don't know who you are. There's the old thinking of how car dealers operate, that they're dirty right. and sleazy and whatever, you know, all the other, you know, used car salesmen, whatever, all right. those bad words or negative words. And the whole car industry's changed so drastically. You know, there's this big automotive show in Toronto I used to listen to. And, you know, people would call in and like, is it a good idea for me to buy a Honda? Is it a good idea for me to buy this such and such car? And he goes, you know, many years ago, you'd buy a car and they'd break down all the time. You know what I mean? But cars are built way better than they used to be. They last a lot longer on the road. They're more fuel efficient. You know, there's been so many uh, advancements in that, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, and even like the dealer support. So it was just interesting to hear how, how much it's changed. And it's funny because this is a guy who talks about how Kia and Hyundai went have advanced so much in the industry and i was like i'll never buy a kia or Hyundai. they're junk you know blah 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 blah. because in my head i'm thinking of how it was and guess what i own two kia vehicles now so <laughs> it's funny that you say that because i was going to bring that up because i think about like the transition from kia because that store that i started in was a kia store and so i think about kia used to be considered like a disposable vehicle like you would buy this vehicle and good luck if you were going to have it in two years, if it's going to be running. But um, at the corporate level and Kia and Hyundai are sister companies anyways. And a lot of the things that people don't know about Kia and Hyundai is they create their own steel. Like they're not dependent on anybody in the world for steel. They make their own steel. Um, they're a, an amazing company. Well, they set out a five and 10 year plan to overcome the disposable vehicle um tag you know that they were carrying around and they started heading and even to the point where they went to like a luxury brand vehicle like k900 and then got um lebron james to be the spokesperson for that right so they like went like super luxury and um although the k900 wasn't a vehicle that sustained very well um they have crossed over into that where they are um not i mean like here in i'm in joplin missouri and here in joplin the Kia store here gives the Toyota store a run for their money on market share every month. Like if you drive around, you probably see more Kias on the road here than you see um, Hondas or Toyotas. Um, and with them coming out with their 10 year, 100,000 mile factory or their 10 year, 100,000 mile warranty that comes automatically with the vehicle. I mean, who else does that? Who else does that? You sign paper on a new key and you got a 10 year, 100,000 mile warranty. Um, and then the dealers can even extend that, but they're that confident in their cars, even their, even their powertrain is five years 60. Whereas you look at somebody like um, Honda and they're uh, 336, you know, and they're so crap. What happens if they, do you want to keep your car longer than three years? Do you know what I'm saying? And so, and we've always thought uh, as imports that like Honda and Toyota were that elite brand, right? But then to go, but they're not even backing it up with a 560, they're doing a 332. So um, I, I love, uh, I mean, even when you think about Hyundai splitting off Genesis as a luxury brand on its own, and I mean, those vehicles are freaking amazing. I don't know if you've seen one of them, but they're. Oh, I've absolutely worked on a few. They're, they're nice cars. Yeah. Like, they're like, amazing. honestly, they look like they're, some of them look like they're finished like a Porsche, like on exactly. the inside. Like, it's just like, you know, oh, it's that. It looks like it's Alcantara suede or something. It might be. I actually don't know, but, you know, it's like beautiful. I think Alcantara suede. I have a, is I have a, um, <laughs> I have a business partner friend, um, a friend of mine who's a business owner, and he went from a uh, Porsche Panamera to the Genesis. Oh, yeah. Like that was, he was like, it, he goes, it's so, he goes, it has more bells and whistles than my Porsche had on it. 
Yeah. I mean, I will tell you this. I know this isn't the high-end IKEA show, but my my uh <laughs> but my my cousin, my cousin Catherine, she actually had a Kia. She was down in the States and it broke down. The transmission went. And she contacted Kia and like within 24 hours, they gave her a new vehicle to drive, right? While her vehicle was getting fixed. She's Canadian and she was down in the States. They gave her a vehicle to drive. And so she had that for like a month while they were doing the powertrain and all that. The only negative side is she had to drive back from Canada down to where it broke down in the States to get her vehicle back. But still, they still gave her a car. So she was actually able to continue her vacation and everything that she had going on. Which nice. blew me away that they even right. went and did that, right? Because in my head, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, well, your vehicle broke down, you know, go rent a car or something. You know what I mean? But they actually yeah. went above and beyond and said, here's another car to drive, da, 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 And they took care of her. So that's, you know, they owned it 100%. Well, and Kia used to be like an add-on brand. So you'd have a Ford store and a Kia, and you'd sell a Kia too. You got that franchise too. Or you had a Chevy store and you wanted a Kia. You had a Kia also as an add-on brand, right? So you had this. <clears throat> and so now they're standalones and they're one of the most desirable franchises out there right now. And um, one of the companies that I think about right now, so if I think about Kia 2009, 2010, in that time frame right there, it's kind of where Mitsubishi is right now. So Mitsubishi um, was in the States heavy and then they lost their distributorship in the States, right? So they were gone for a while. And then now they're back again. They only have like three or four models in the US that they can distribute, but they're at that point right now where everyone thinks about them like Kia 2010, right? So now you have a Kia store and you have an add-on Mitsu store, right? <laughs> yeah. So they're like, they're like at that right there. And so Mitsubishi's goal and all the people who are buying Mitsu franchises are hoping that Mitsu is gonna make that comeback strong like like Kia did and get elevated to that level. I know a lot of my clients that are um, pre-owned dealerships um, have made a move into franchise because getting into a Mitsu dealership was affordable. And their hope is that um, financially Mitsu can sustain um, in the U.S. And that also that they'll see that elevation come with the um, uh, the Outlander and the, um, they've got a PHEV out right now too. So, but they've got that solution vehicle too in the Gallant, that three cylinder. Um, oh yeah. You're talking about the Outlander PHEV. I've done, a, I've worked on a bunch of those. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, the car industry is, I mean, I love it. I consume it every day and I, I love to watch where it's going and follow those trends. Um, it just such a, and my daughter has never owned a vehicle except for a Kia. <laughs> Yeah. You know what it, the thing is? So really the, the point of what we're talking about right now is don't keep focusing on the past. You know, right. too many people associate a brand of what it once was 10 or 15 years ago. And they're stuck in that mindset of, of that's how it was. So I'll never buy that brand. That brand is dead to me. Right. Mm-hmm. But things change. A lot of those brands that were amazing 10, 15 years ago are not the same brand they are today right Correct. so Correct. so let's switch gears here because you're you you do a lot of social media content in automotive mm-hmm. so how does someone generate tons of social media content well i'll tell you i learned this um 
the hard way. So the the hard way was that we were like having to just use our brain power and come up with five million different ways, whatever, um, of say things. So for when we first started doing social for um, dealerships, we would literally print a paper calendar and we would map it out. Right, it's White Car Wednesday. It was Throwback Thursday. You know, it was we would always do a motivational post on Sunday because people are in a different frame of mind on Sunday. So we we're trying to go. How will we get them to? Uh, share a post because that's the gold, right? Like share, comment, talk on Facebook. And so, um, so our, our strategy um, in the beginning was always a motivational post on Sunday. Everybody's calm and relaxed and they're all about, you know, sharing the love because that's where their brain is on Sundays. Um, and then on Monday, every Monday for a dealership, we would post a contest. So it would be something that would be engaging, you know, Pepsi versus Coke, Android versus iPhone, whatever it is, comment below. We're going to run this contest all week long. We're going to pick a winner with free oil change on mon on next Monday. And so we did that because we know that if you play in my contest on Monday, that when I serve you up a Kia Telluride on Tuesday, because you played in my contest on Monday, it's going to pull into your newsfeed. Right. So I, it was just a strategy. It's always a strategy behind how long will my stuff pull into your newsfeed after you've engaged with me. And so I may do a, a contest. We always do a contest on Monday, vehicle post on Tuesday, um, maybe used car on Wednesday, Thursday. We're going to have another engaging post that I want you to play along with. It's not a contest, but it'll be something that is um, either funny or I'm asking you to take an action or whatever. And I know that it's going to be something that you're going to play with. Um, so that was our strategy, has been our strategy all along that we want to make sure that, and we'll watch our engagement on a regular basis. But so coming up with it, though, literally, if we break it into <clears throat> categories like that, it helped us a ton. So if I were going to always post a pre-owned vehicle on Thursday, then I knew what was in their inventory and I could pull that. And that was super easy to come up with for automotive. Now, if we're talking about for a personal brand, it's totally different, right? So I'm from the Gary Vaynerchuk school, right? Like, so I may create a long form video blog and then, or a blog that I write and then either way, I either write it or I do um, a blog and then I transcribe it into a blog and then I transcribe it into sound bites. And then I, you know, I, what I'm saying, I pull different pieces of it out and I repurpose all of this little bits for stories. And I repurpose one piece of content several times. That's for me personally about my brand. Um, for social media, for automotive, we break it down by categories. And I think that even for, if you're a shoe store or you're a mechanic shop, or whatever it is that you've got to break it down by categories or you're constantly overthinking it. So if I'm working on a Wednesday and it's new cars that I'm posting on Wednesday, then I'm going to do all my Wednesdays at once. I'm going to write all the copy for them. I'm going to grab all the images for them. I'm going to do absolutely everything that I need for all of my Wednesdays, knock Wednesday out and I'm going to move to Thursday. So for us, that's the process that's worked for us the best. Um, and then we watch it and we measure it and go, how did this perform? How did that perform? You can't just set it and forget it. You've got to 100% um, go back and see what worked and what didn't, and then pivot. Yeah, no, I, and I understand what you're talking about when you're talking about categories. You're talking about having like an example post of uh, it's raining outside. Have you checked? Have you checked your windshield wipers lately? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, stuff like that that gets you thinking, right? About a vehicle. Maybe you're not selling a vehicle, but you're still you know, trying to get people thinking, right? And well, I mean, breaking think about it down spring, in all those spring, categories, right? 
Yeah, it's like so spring break, like when we know that it's going to be the month where spring break breaks happen in the U.S. so much, like are do you want to get your car in and get it serviced before you hit that road trip? Are you flying? Or are you driving? Which one are you doing? Great. If you're driving, these are the things you probably need to get your tires rotated. You want to make sure that they're in good shape. You won't want to get stuck on the road with a flat tire with all of your kids in the car. All of those things are the things that bring back awareness to you're getting ready to do a thing. Have you thought about this? And then bring the dealership back to top of mind awareness. Yeah. Oh, it makes sense. Totally. Um, so you you have another blog uh, on your website called Shoot a Damn Video. And so <laughs> so what what is uh why is it important to be doing videos nowadays? So, well, I mean, it's obvious. I think it's obvious. Um video is taking over the world. I so in 2000 and I want to say 18, I went to Utah. A friend of mine has a um, company out there and he helped me shoot a course for automotive salespeople. Um, and one of the things that I taught them was that um, why it was important, why video was so important, especially on Facebook, right? Because for a long time, we thought about YouTube for video. That's all we thought about video, YouTube, video, YouTube. But if you'll follow what Zuckerberg's agenda is, Right. And his agenda at that time was to take over video views because think about it. YouTube equals Google, Facebook. And those are marketing dollars, Google dollars, Facebook dollars. So where are the people going to market at? And so uh, when Zuckerberg decided, you guys have to remember the evolution of Facebook. When, when Zuckerberg first started um, allowing video on Facebook, you had to um, click it for the video to play. That was the first step. Then you could you could play it and it and you could hear it at the same time. Then the next evolution was that it would start playing, but you couldn't hear it until you tapped it, right? And then if you scroll down to another video, you'd have to tap it again. Now, if you unmute one video, it unmutes all videos, right? And so Mark started considering a video view to be three seconds long. If you slowed down and watched it for three seconds, he considered that a video view. Um, and you'll look in um, whenever you're doing video ads on Facebook and it measures it by those increments. Also, how long how long did they view the video? Yeah. Um, and so he started being able to spout because what he did was he he arranged the algorithm to give higher priority to video content because he wanted to outpace YouTube. So if you see what his agenda is, if you can follow where his brain is going. You can be part of the tide that he's doing because he's going to loosen up. It's like being at a slot machine on a Wednesday, right? Whenever they went, oh, we need some people to be winning here. So they'll come back this win this the weekend when we're going to tighten up the bolts again, right? And so um, he will loosen the algorithm and you would get more views if you posted a video than you would on a post that last week would have gotten just a crap load of views, right? And so then that he started preferring and giving preference to videos, then people started creating more video content, people started consuming more video content, and within a very short period of time, he passed YouTube on video views by his measurement, right? By what he said was a video view. Um, but he was able to use that to the marketing communities and go, look, I don't know why you're advertising on Google for video because I'm getting more views on video on Facebook. You should be using them over here. And so I, um, and not that I think that Facebook is the end all be all and people want to go Facebook is dead or whatever. But the thing is for a marketing machine, Facebook <laughs> is probably the ultimate marketing machine. I mean, 100%. So I follow what he's doing. And so um, to go back even further than that, um, I'll make this brief. So uh, maybe 2015, I may get the years wrong. Um, at South by Southwest, 
the first um, live streaming app, Meerkat, popped up. I don't know if you're familiar with Meerkat, but it was the first app where you could live stream, right? Gary Vaynerchuk went balls deep on Meerkat. He was an investor. He rolled it out at South by Southwest. It's going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread, blah, 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 blah. About two to three weeks later, Periscope popped out. And Periscope, um, before they even went live, um, had an affiliation with Twitter, right? And so now if you had a big Twitter following and you went live on Periscope, all of your Twitter followers were notified. And within a matter of weeks, Meerkat was dead because they didn't have that affiliation. And Periscope was the king. Everybody was on Periscope, live streaming. I mean, Shalene Johnson, everybody was. Like they, that was the place to be, was live streaming. Facebook didn't have Facebook Live at that time, but they were chasing hard, as hard as he could. And so from spring of that year to you got to about November, December, about November, he started rolling it out in small pieces. So if you were an influencer, if you had these certain titles in your um, bio, then you could have Facebook Live and you wouldn't know. You'd log into Facebook and you'd have the little red button and you're like, oh my God, I have the live button now, right? Where it wasn't available to everybody because he had to see whether it would crash the platform. If everybody went live at once, was it gonna crash his platform? And so, <clears throat> so he started rolling out in pieces to everybody. So everybody then eventually had the ability to go Facebook Live, but it took probably six to eight months for everybody to have it, yeah. to have that button, right? And when they did, Periscope was dead, literally. Like, I don't have Periscope app anymore. I don't even know anybody that uses it anymore. It just I doesn't. Even, You're going to. I remember hearing about it, but, you know, it's it's almost like HD DVD and Blu-ray. You know, they, <laughs> right. they went head to head for a while right. and Blu-ray won because they put it in right. the PlayStation and HD DVD is like the Laserdisc. No one really talks about it anymore. Right. <laughs> so once again, once you follow where Zuckerberg is going and who he's chasing or who he's trying to acquire. So if he can't acquire them, then he's going to he's going to replicate it. Right. And so, you know, that that's when um, reels and stories rolled out is when TikTok got hot. Right. Reels got hot when TikTok got hot because he can't acquire it. It's a Chinese company. They're not going to sell it to him. So he's got to replicate it as much as he can. And then he started monetizing reels. So all of this is video format where the stagnant posts, although they have their purpose in life, um, people are consuming more and more and more video. And our attention spans are about this long anymore because we do, we watch it swipe. It's, it's 30 seconds swipe, 30 seconds swipe. And that's our entertainment. Um, if you ever got stuck on TikTok for a couple of hours ago, what do you mean it's midnight? I should have been in bed at 10 because you got sucked in. Um, and so that's why video content is so important. First of all, um, think about a message that comes across to you in a text message and you read it in whatever tone of voice you want to. You can read it snarky. You can read it really sweet. You can read it however you want to. You make up the audio in your head as to what this written word says, right? With video, my intonation, how I feel about stuff comes across immediately and you don't have to interpret it, right? Like you, I'm, I'm telling you how I feel. You're hearing my tone of voice. You're seeing oh, my yeah. body, you're seeing it all. And so that's why it's as close to human connection as we can. And if we think about coming through the pandemic, that, that blog was probably written before then, but um, if we think about coming through the pandemic where everybody now went to communicating this way, because that's what we were stuck to doing was communicating screen to screen. Now, even more than ever, we're all programmed to receive data this way. So if you're not doing video, you're really missing out on a huge segment of your audience. Oh yeah. Like video is becoming very huge for my company now. Like I started doing YouTube, I don't know, 16 months ago, I think it is now. And 
all my videos at the beginning sucked. They're all garbage. They're terrible. And, and, you know, most of them, I was like looking down like this, you know, not even, <laughs> you know, I'd look up every once in a while, you know, and, uh, da, 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 and I'd look up and it was terrible. Right. And, you know, and, and on top of it, I had a cheap microphone from Amazon. So every time I like touched the the table, cause I was nervous, it'd go ding, ding. And <laughs> like, it was just terrible. But you know, what's funny is what kept me going was one of the videos. I took a blog that was on my website and I read word for word, the blog in video form. And it has, I think to this day, I think it has like eight or 9,000 views 16 months later. And awesome. I kept going, well, people like the information that's there because it was good information. How do I duplicate that? But actually look at the camera like I am yeah. now. You know what I mean? And so now I've gotten more and more confident. And now I'm putting out videos. And like I have some that have been out in the last two, three months. They haven't even been long, out long. And they got 10, 12,000 views. And I don't even, I don't have 10 or 12,000 subscribers. I think I have 800 and 30 or 840 subscribers right now right so i mean so if you put out good content people will find it. and it's funny i get people from the united states i get people from canada i watched your video and i'm buying this unit because of your video and then they're like and it's funny i'll have them call me and i'm like oh do you know we also sell it you do oh okay i'll buy it from you and i'm like man obviously i didn't do a good job <laughs> i sell it so you know, I, I need to start doing that. Right. But I actually found out what the problem was with that. Anyways, that's, that's another story, <laughs> but yeah, but uh, you know, video at the end of the day, you know, is very powerful, especially if you have good content and like, even I just put out a video yesterday. It only has 200 views, but it's 20 minutes long and average engagement is five minutes, which means that the people who are coming to it are watching it. One out of four people are watching the full 20 minutes. So you want to make right. sure that whatever you're putting out there, people actually want to watch and you are educating them. And what, as, as Andy says, education, entertainment, and impact equals right. engagement. Right. Right. Absolutely. So. And, and, you know, I posted one yesterday because everyone's more like, I, and I told you this when we were talking personally, um, like I don't do something unless it's something I feel strongly about. Like I, I have, um, like I have a thought and I'm like, this is impactful for me. Who else is it impactful for? I made a video yesterday and it's probably less than a minute long. And I had a comment on it last night and it was just about being better. Like my goal every day is just to be better. How can I be better? Can I be smarter? What am I feeding myself? And I had this person message me yesterday, like right after I posted it. And um, he said something along the lines of, I really been going through a lot lately and your video really hit home with me and he's like I think if I can get out of my own head of all of the crap that's been going on and if I can just focus on me being better I can't control everything else but I can control me and I'm like yes that's all you can control nothing else so be better figure out how to be better how to be happier how to be you know a better uh, spouse a better employer a better employee whatever it is you know how can you be better today and that be your goal and then the rest of that stuff the rest of the garbage you know, of uh, school shootings or tragedies that are happening or the weather in Mississippi or California, the things that are going on with us that are just seem so heavy, I can't control it. And so all I can do is just be better. And um, so even, even stuff that you think is like, to me, spontaneity is really, really important. 
that I'm spontaneous in if it's important to me right now. And this is, you won't understand this because you're a dude, but for women shooting a video, like we feel like we have to have everything fucking perfect, right? Is my makeup on? Is like literally today, like I remembered yesterday that I had to do this today, but today I didn't remember how to do this. So like I have eyebrows and mascara on and that's it. And thank God I did my hair. Um, and, but otherwise I would have been like, oh my God, I have to be in full makeup. I have to be whatever. I don't look good enough to shoot a video and we will find the excuses to not do it. And there's times now if I feel like I look like crap, crap, I'm going to go stand outside and put my sunglasses on and do a video, but I'm going to do one because the message in my heart, I'll forget it by tomorrow. And today I need to get it out because someone needs to hear it. So it's interesting that you say that. So, cause you, you know, I do these little trainings trying to help people start i'm trying to get people to start doing video right i'm not i'm not an agency nothing like that i just try and help people because i went through the same struggles and the way i explain it to people is when i started my business i made sure everything was perfect the website looked beautiful i had everything i got my systems and processes i got my credit card processor i had everything it's perfect okay where's the customers i got uniforms i got business cards where's everybody Right. And I was like, the hell, where is everybody? I, I made sure everything was perfect. <laughs> and I explained to people that when you're starting YouTube or, or video or anything like that, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be good content. Just get on there, get in front of the camera, get comfortable and get going. And so it's funny that like what you're talking about, I got to make sure my hair is perfect. got to make sure everything's done. And the way I look at it is when I started my business, I used to like, that's how it was. Everything has to be perfect. Now I'm just like, I just need to get it done. And and yeah. sometimes I'm like, someone's like, you know, you should shave. And it's like, well, whatever. It is what it is. It got done. That's what, that's <laughs> what shoot the damn video was about, right? It's yeah, like, it's awesome. Do, just jump out there and do it. Like, you know, I mean, if you could spend all this time preparing and then it's not going to be any good. Whereas if you're doing it in the moment, whenever it's important to you, like let's say you're at a car dealership and the truck is rolling up and it's got a bunch of brand new Kia carnivals on it. And you guys haven't had any for three months. They've been hard to find. You need to just grab your camera, go outside, go Facebook live or start shooting a video and go, Oh my God, I'm so excited. Look what's rolling off the truck. And you can't plan for that. Right. Because that truck ain't going to keep pulling in and pulling out, pulling in and pulling out just so you get the good shot. You just have to accept whatever it is that you've gotten is the message that needs to get across. Shoot the video, and there's going to be times whenever they're crap. There, there, that's going to happen. Oh yeah. I, mean, I've had a I few promise times. you that <laughs> I promise you, every actor in Hollywood doesn't get everything in one take. It just doesn't happen. And so, but it's okay. I mean, I find more humor in the blooper reels than anything. I posted one of my blooper reels last year, of like, like I'm, I'm getting set up with my camera, and I'm like, <clears throat> I'm looking at the background. I'm doing all the stuff, you know, and it's recording while I'm doing this, and I'm like. I'm showing my teeth. I'm like checking my hair in the camera. And I, I'll, I'll keep all of those and then I'll make a blooper roll out of them and throw them out there and go, this is the reality of what making a video looks like sometimes. Yeah. No, when, when I, I know exactly what you're saying. Like you just have to, you just have to do it. Just start. Like at the end of the day, just start. And, yep. and once you do, you don't look back and you'll learn from your mistakes. You will learn. Well, and, and your personality shows through whenever you're just winging it anyway, sometimes. And that's what people want to know is who you really are. You know, um, I was watching an Alex Ramosi video the other day and he was like, it was about branding. And he's like, everyone wants to 
to curate their brand that it looks like this. And he's like, and curate, and you're the real estate guy, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, really? Nobody gives two craps that you just replicated what every other real estate guy looks like. Who are you? They want to know who you are. Let them know who you are genuinely, really. Who can you sustain being? You know, when you first start dating someone and everything's perfect because everyone's pretending to be this person that's super lovable and likable, right? They're, but it's not sustainable. Eventually, you know, you belch in front of each other or you're talking while you're eating at the same time, which you don't do in those first couple of weeks. You chew your food, wait for a second, and then you start talking again. And so, but that's not sustainable because that's not who you are. If you're sitting in your living room and, you know, you're with your best friend, you're not acting like that. And so the same thing with your branding, can you sustain it because it's who you truly are? So be real, just be real from the beginning. It helps. Even yeah. if you're awkward and I'm like, even if you're awkward and nervous, go, you know, what? I'm sorry, guys, I don't do videos a lot. I get a little nervous doing this. It may be awkward, but I promise I'm going to get better. So right now, X, Y, Z, and people will be like, oh, my God, I'm awkward when I do it, too. And now they relate to you because you're a damn human. You are. I, I, you, you know, like everything you're saying, it's funny because two years ago, if someone asked me to get in front of a camera and do a video, no, not a chance, not a chance. And for some weird reason. I did 75 hard. And when I was doing 75 hard, I said, when I finish 75 hard, I'm going to start doing videos. And as I did it. I had that confidence, that mental mindset of finishing 75 hard. And I started doing it. I mean, sure, the videos sucked at first. They did. But like 30 days after, I said, well, shoot, it's almost the end of the year because I finished it near the end of November, right? And I'm like, it's almost the end of the year. I said I was going to start a podcast. Well, I got to start a podcast. So I get on the phone with somebody in RTA and they're like, well, you go here, you go there, you go that, you know, do you know how to do video? Yeah, I'm already doing video. I kind of suck at it, but you know, I, I'm learning, right? I'm learning. So it was just an easy transition to start doing the podcasts as well. And you learn from all your mistakes and mm -hmm. you will continuously get better. Keep in mind, you don't have a big audience right out of the gate. You just don't. And as your audience builds, they're going to look back at what how you were, and you're going to look back at how you were, and you're going to be like, wow, I've come a long way, yeah. right? Like, it's an amazing story, right? Just, I'm sure you probably even look, I look back at some of my old videos occasionally, and I'm like, wow, I was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> look, look where That's I am sure. now, right? Like, look where I am now. It's awesome. So Absolutely. But uh, I'll ask you one last question here, because I know... We, we definitely had a crazy pre pre talk, right? So we're definitely running into some extra time here. Why is it important not to burn bridges? Oh my gosh. In any business relationship that you're in, um, you never know, first of all, what that, like, let's say I had a dealer partner and um, so this is a true story. So I did have a dealer partner and he lost his floor plan. Okay, so the bank finances all of your new cars on your on your lot, right? That's called a floor plan. And he lost it. He was a Mitsubishi dealer. And at the time, um, Ally was who was carrying the floor plans for Nissan and was also extending them to Mitsu. That was kind of that when Nissan became a 34% or whatever the percentage share was of Mitsubishi, Ally came with them. And so he, um, he lost his floor plan. So he wasn't just our social media client. We did Facebook sales events also, um, and a BDC client also, and um, we were running his lead gen. So he was pretty high dollar to us every month, what he owed us. 
So when he lost his floor plan, um, he was having to self-fund all buying all of his new cars. Like every car that was on the showroom floor on the lot, him and his wife actually paid cash for. They they literally raped their entire um, retirement fund, everything that they had to be able to fund the store until they got another floor plan lined up. And it took months. In the interim, he was um, playing catch up from here to there, right? So um, he had, Amex had extended him a twenty or $250,000 credit line and um, he was paying his vendors with that, but he was needing cash back also. So like th there was just a lot going on. And at one point he became $100,000 in the negative to us. Now we're a small business. Um, at that time we were a smaller business than we are now. And that, that was a lot of money to have a dealer in the hole to us too. And I'm like, what? I mean, every day we were like, what the crap are we gonna do about this? How do we get him to get caught up? How are we gonna help him get caught up? We knew his whole situation. We may never see that money again. And um, we just kept working with him. We had stopped all services because he he stopped all services too. He's like, I just can't go any further in the hole with you guys. I'm gonna get this paid off. Let's just figure out a way to get this done. And um, he worked very hard over the next 90 days to get that caught up and to a zero balance. Um, and I'll tell you one of the greatest stories because like at any time, there's been other people that have been in a hole to me to $25,000, another dealership was at one time ghosting my calls, never taking my calls, literally drove to their dealership in St. Louis and was like, I'm here now, let's go ahead and pay this bill. Um, and it was a horrible experience on the other side of it. But with this person in particular, he ended up selling his dealership, um, got out of automotive completely. And then about six months ago, he texts me and he's like, hey, are you at work? And I'm like, yeah, I'm at work, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm in your parking lot. I'm like, in my parking lot right now? Cause he lives up in um, Nebraska. And he goes, yeah, I'm like, well, come in. He drove all the way down from Nebraska to face-to-face -face, a year after he had cleared his account with us to face-to-face -face apologize to us for putting us in that situation to go, I'm really sorry that that happened. I wish it could have happened in a different way. And I just I just want you guys to know that I, I did feel bad about all of that. Like there were times when it took you guys forever to get a hold of me, I understand that. I was so stressed out, I couldn't take anybody's calls. And he goes, but I'm sorry. I just want to tell you, I appreciate everything that you did to help me get even and get this all caught up. Um, and like we were, I mean, I was, I've never had anybody apologize to me for wrangling a bill for as long as that one. I've never had anybody like, they act like you're a vendor, screw you. Um, and so that was so impactful for me that during that entire time that we maintained a good relationship with him also, and didn't just write it off and be pissed off and slam him on social media, which I wouldn't do anyways, because that's my, that's where I live. Why would anybody do business with me if I ever did that? Um, but that we kept that. And so then it's about three weeks ago, I was in Phoenix, Arizona, and he's moved on to a different career now. And um, so he's doing training for Automax. So they hire, recruit and train for dealerships. And he was on site at a dealership that I was on site for too. And he was there doing some hiring and training. He's like, hey, let's go to dinner. And Beverly, my business partner was with me also. So we went to dinner that night and we're sitting down talking, just re, you know, just visiting about what he's doing, you know, how much he loves what he's doing right now. And then he has another company that after, he got clear with us at, when he came by here that day, he had started a new business 
where he um, helps dealerships process their warranty claims. He has a 98% approval um, on warranty claims and he gets them done within the timeline because there's like 30 days from the time that RO is written until the time that you have to get it submitted to the OEM to get that paid. And so a lot of times dealerships that are like under um, 100 cars per month, they generally have like the service manager doing it. He's overwhelmed. So he, he started this company. We built his website for him. Um, we helped him with his marketing on that. And it was really, really taking off. But the person that he had doing that job for him um, doing the warranty claims for him um, was not working out. And so while we were having dinner three weeks ago with him, he's like, you know what? He goes, we charge X amount of percentage per RO on these. He's like, if I could get somebody who would do this part of the work for me, he's like, we would be making probably $50,000 a month and we would just split it. And Beverly just looks at him and goes, teach me how to do it. I'll do it. We'll be 50, 50 partners in this and I'll do this for you. And he was, and because we've had that trust relationship, we never burned a bridge. We never spit on his grave. We never did any of those things. He was like, 100%, let's do it today. And so he's picking up a new client this week, probably April, April 1, whatever, wherever that falls in the week. I have no idea. I think this week. And we will be the ones to learn how to do that, those warranty um submissions for him and all of that came from we had a good relationship tumultuous relationship good relationship tumultuous relationship and it was just one of those things where we always stayed true to who we were at our core we're here to help our dealer partners and i mean i'm telling you i can't tell you unless you've bootstrapped a business you have no idea how big a hundred thousand dollars is when you're covering payroll for 60 70 employees you have no idea how much a hundred thousand dollars is when someone's in arrears to you that much and you're having to cover it you're going to figure out how to cover it because that money should be in your cash flow flowing in and and you're getting it ten twelve thousand dollars at a time when you've already paid the payroll on that hundred thousand dollars so i mean i there were times when we were super frustrated with him and there was great opportunity to burn that bridge and just walk away and go fuck it he's never going to do the thing you know, he's a piece of shit. He's a whatever. He, but he wasn't. And I, and there's been probably a hundred different instances like that. And whether it's with um, a business client or whether it's with an employee, there have been times that um, we've lost employees or employees have quit or whatever. And as long as they quit properly with me, they can always come back. If they burn a bridge with me, if they go on social media talking about what a piece of crap company I am, blah, 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 there's an automatic no rehire on there right now, immediately. You can't do that for me. You can't burn that bridge. And so every relationship that you have in business, you don't know when it's going to cycle back around. And that happens to me a lot. As long as I remain an advocate for what they're doing, um, as long as they're not illegal, um, I will never burn a bridge. I will do everything I can to maintain that relationship because not only is it future business, but it, they, it may never ever pay me another dime. It may just be that I know this person who needs that person right there. and I'm the connector for them. And now I've got two happy people that are going, that are referring me business because I helped connect people. So burning a bridge, burning a bridge is only your ego having joy for a moment. And I would rather have long-term peace than a momentary, momentary joy of ha ha ha, not doing it. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. That's a great story, right? So great story so you know we've been chatting for a while so how how does everybody get a hold of you and especially if you're in the automotive world you may want to talk to her you probably do um so my email is robin at socialclimberpro.com or robin at epicbdc.com um our social media is scp agency 
Our social media is Epic BDC, and I'm on every one of those channels. You can reach out to any of us. If you want my phone number, you can have that too. It's I think it's in my Facebook profile. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's great. I mean, it was a great conversation. Uh, it was awesome the amount of automotive. How you your your story is very unique, right? And it, it's it was awesome hearing it. And I'm glad uh, you've shared it with everybody. Give maybe we've inspired some people to start doing some video. I hope so. I hope I'm so, going to shoot one today. But uh, we're going to put the links also down below for anybody who does want to get in, in touch with Robin. And thanks a lot for coming on today. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ben.